Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 52nd episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. We've got a great episode for you with Austin Scher, the brand new general manager of the Danville baseball team, which I am the official Delaware ambassador of. Thank you so much for tuning in, folks. You know the drill. Please help grow the podcast by sharing it on social media, telling your friends about it, and by leaving a rating or comment on Apple Podcasts. I'd like to take this opportunity to share our newest comment on Apple Podcasts from Mike Sellers. Lives of MIL Beers. I love hearing about the ins and outs of the other duties as assigned of minor league workers. I actually know some of the people Bobby has interviewed already, and I've started to feel like I now know Bobby too. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Mike. Uh, really appreciate you. You've been a ride or die listener uh, ever since you know episode one, and I couldn't appreciate you more. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at it's r a coon. That's i t s r a c o o n. That way, you won't miss out on any news about the Pulling Tart podcast. Can't wait to chat with Austin Share right after this break. Austin, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Super excited to have you on. Uh, it's it's been a hell of an extended off season for you, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, that's that's putting it uh, uh, very uh, politically correct. Yeah, yeah, it has been. It has been. Yeah. <laughs> Can you kind of tell the listeners about the chain of events that led you to this amazing opportunity to be the new general manager of the Danville baseball team or team to be named later? Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, the, the Danville insert names here. Yeah, yeah. so um, I, uh, I don't know, and I was actually thinking about this in the shower today, which is a bit ironic. Um, I do a lot of my best thinking in the shower for all yeah. those listening. Um, a year ago this week, we were getting ready in Daytona Beach for the start of the Bethune-Cookman University baseball season, which we hosted at Jackie Robinson Ballpark. We were breaking out our staff schedule, making sure that we were taking care of our Tortugas duties, but that we had press box concessions, gates, everything staffed for for the Bethune-Cookman season. Um, And I was actually on PA for their opening night. Nice. And I was looking back through my phone. I have, like, videos and pictures and, like, slow-mo videos of guys running out of the dugout. And, like, life could not have been better at that point for me. Like I had just got promoted to assistant general manager. We had been awarded the all-star game and had these incredible plans for the 2020 season. And at that point, every, every single number, every metric was clipping ahead, like sponsorship sales ahead, ticket sales ahead, group sales ahead, operations ahead, stadium projects ahead. Like everything was going so phenomenally well. Um, And then COVID hit. 
right? Mm -hmm. And then everything changed. So we worked from home for a few months. Um, we're able to activate a virtual opening night at home in April, which was awesome. Uh, still phenomenally proud to be part of the staff group that in May opened up the ballpark. We were the first ballpark to open up to the public in the middle of the pandemic for our first movie night. Shout out to the other hundred teams that copied that blueprint and made it even better and, and activated in their communities. Yeah. One of those points of pride of being part of this minor league baseball community was seeing how these stadiums and staffs were able to put on for their towns right. in the midst of this strife and struggle. Um, and then in June, everybody except for four folks either got laid off or furloughed. Um, and the vast majority of our staff at that point uh, kind of went back to where they came from. So most people went back home. Um, you know, we're, we're hoping to get the call to go back uh, and, and, get everybody back together with the Tortugas. That obviously ended up not happening. I stayed in Daytona. Um, I served on a, a board with the United Way, and I was a member of the, the one of the local Rotary Clubs, and um, I tried to stay active and involved. I'm one of those people that just can't sit still for too long. Yeah. Um, so I, I entertained myself all summer uh, while keeping myself safe, obviously, and, and uh, tried to be as involved as possible with uh, different community and charity initiatives that, that those two groups were putting on. And um, by the time November rolled around, I had had a few conversations with teams um, that basically told me, hey, we're going to be hiring for a position that we'd like you to be in, but it won't be until January or right. February or March. So at that point, I knew my time in Daytona was pretty much up. Uh, in November, I moved back home to Durham, North Carolina and stayed there for a couple months. While I was there, kind of narrowed down, uh, in my mind, the finalists for where I would end up. Um, I don't know if I've actually said this publicly or not yet, so this is a, this is a pulling tarp exclusive here. Oh, I actually was interviewing with two collegiate properties. Um, um, there was a part of my brain that thought, with the uncertainty surrounding minor league baseball and professional baseball as a whole that maybe my baseball career would need to get put on hold. Um, so I was looking at a couple of collegiate properties, um, was talking to a couple of additional minor league teams, and then this Danville opportunity came about. And uh, our owner was my former boss as an intern in Burlington and down in Daytona Beach, Ryan Kerr. And uh, he told me that he was talking to the city of Danville about acquiring the, the operational rights to this team. The Braves obviously left after 27 years um, when the Appalachian League was no longer affiliated as a whole. Right. And uh, me and him drove up uh, in December and just drove around downtown and looked at what the ballpark looked like. And um, I, I mean, it's cliche uh, for a single guy to say this, but it was it was love at first sight. Like I knew driving around downtown uh, that this is where I wanted to be. So I told sure. Ryan when we were driving back down to North Carolina, I said, hey, if you end up signing an MOU, um, I'm, I'm your guy like this, this is the, this is the answer. Yeah. Um, and ended up happening, started officially in January, was working for a few weeks before the announcement was made, uh, just while the, the T's were crossed and the I's were dotted. But, yeah. um, yeah, so it's, it's been a whirlwind of a year. Uh, the first few months were, were relatively exciting while the, the whole crew was still together in Daytona. Um, and then it got pretty boring over the course of the summer. Things pick back up in the fall, mm -hmm. and now all I'm doing is uh, working my tail off and hoping and praying that we can uh, we can get back to baseball uh, by the time opening night rolls around. Perfect, perfect. I mean, yeah, the city of Danville need needs you, needs the team, um, especially since they lost, you know, the D Braves, um, and this is a new chapter for them, man, and. And you're the guy to to lead them to this, it's, and it's such an amazing opportunity. Like I'm, I'm low key like pretty jealous actually. But um, yeah, dude. <laughs> so speaking of the listeners, I put this out on Twitter. 
Um, and I want your insight because um, you're the ho- you're uh, the co-host of the Snapbacks and Interbrews podcast. You guys call the listeners the Snapbackers. I love yep. it. Um, even though I I like never wear a snapback ever, um, but I'm proud to say I'm a snapbacker. Um, yes. So what should we call the listeners of the Pulling Tart podcast? Um, some suggestions from Twitter were the Tarp Crew, um, the Tarp Team, and um, maybe my favorite, Tarp Gang, Gang Gang. <laughs> That one's the Tark Gang 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 is obviously the best. Like obviously the best. Right. Um, I I will say personally, Tarp Crew is is for every team that I've ever worked for. Right. The terms that that is used like, hey, Tarp Crew, get down to right field. Tarp Crew, get down to third base. Wherever your your you know Tarp is located. Yeah. So I do have an element of, and I'm not going to call it PTSD because that's a disservice to people that actually have PTSD. But sure. it does trigger memories, right? Like hearing the words Tarp Crew, especially in a certain tone or over a radio frequency, you just get flooded with those memories. <laughs> right. So I think from a, a logistical standpoint, Tarp Crew is great. Right, because it fits the name, it fits the theme, it fits the it like embodies everything. But from a fun listener standpoint, Tarp Gang, Gang Gang is is <laughs> definitely what I would go. I mean, that gets the most fun. All right, all right, that's fair enough. Um, so speaking of Tarp, and I think I had this later on in the um, in the outline here. You got any good Tarp stories? I'm sure you do. Being in Daytona and Greensboro, um, you probably haven't had to pull it at all yet in Danville. So, no, I have not. Thank goodness. Um, our Grimes crew is hard at work. We're actually uh, redoing a lot of the dirt. So um, the rain has been helpful so far here. But okay. um, I, I have one story that's actually like a compounded events uh, happenstance with TARP. And I honestly, I don't have many negative memories with TARPs. Um, like, obviously, pulling them sucks. Yeah. Uh, right. Like, it, I mean, it, it, it hurts. Your quads burn. Yep. But it is like a team building experience, also. Sure. Um, I've I've laughed plenty of times with people that have fallen. Um, we have gotten stuck, you know, four feet away from covering all of third base, uh, and had to bang a game while all of us were standing there in the pouring down rain in Florida, where there's nothing any of us could do because there were already 120 million gallons of water in the tarp while we were trying. Because some 19 year old umpire was trying to be a tough guy and get the game in, and it didn't call for it until too late. But one story sticks out above the rest All right. because the tarp story is part A of it. And then there is an immediately following part B that compounded to form this horrific incident for me. So it was my first full-time season uh, down in Greensboro and it was relatively early in the year. It was probably like April or May. So I, I mean, like I have this mode. I tell all the interns that I've ever, uh, you know, reported to me that like when it's go time for me, like I sometimes have blinders on yeah. And like, if you're calling my name, like you may need to call it two or three times. Like if I'm in that zone and it's nothing personal, but it just is, it's the thing. Like I, I click my mind sometimes. So for a lot of these tarp calls at Greensboro, instead of taking the time to put down my radio and phone and sunglasses, or whatever else I had on valuable, I would just book it down to the tarp oh. and then I would deal with whatever the consequences were afterwards. Oh, right. Man. So I, I had my radio clipped inside my pants yep so like the the fat part of the radio was between the back of my belt and my butt okay and the clip was on the outside so in my mind i'm thinking 
99.9% of the weight and the mass is inside my belt loop. There's no way it's coming out. Yep. So the rain is already falling. We spread out. We get it unrolled. We get it unrolled. I'm running back, get to my loop. We're pulling, we're pulling, we're pulling. One fold comes out, no problem. Two folds come out, no problem. Three folds come out, no problem. Downpour. We didn't have time to get up to the concourse. We were all huddled down in the dugout. Ten minutes, the storm's over. Everything clears up. Radar's clear. We immediately go back there to pull it back out. Again, I was in the dugout. I could have taken my radio out. Like, if, if I was thinking twice, the radio would have been in a cubby safe. Right. But I wasn't. So it was still clipped in my butt. So we go back out there. And as we're pulling, I'm wearing, like, Nike running shoes that had no tread whatsoever. Uh, I slip a little bit. Didn't fall. But I slip a little bit, lose my balance. The radio comes out and lands in, like, the wave of the tarp, which oh. at that point had eight inches of pooling water yep. that was getting ready to be dumped. And the radio was cooked. I mean, just, like, absolutely cooked at that point. So, like, I felt it come out, and I had a wave of, like, holy shit, this is my first full-time season. I'm about to cost the team $280 or whatever this radio costs, <laughs> but I can't go back underneath because then I would ruin the tarp. We won't be able to pull it off again. The game would be over. It's so, yeah. so I, I know as we finish the pull, the radio is cooked. I'm in trouble. Yeah. So, sure enough... I get chewed out for it. How could I be that stupid? I know that I'm down there. Think twice before you act, like those kinds of things. And yeah. I deserved every bit of it. Sure. So later that night, uh, I was... <laughs> this is part two. Uh, I was in the bathroom in the office, and we had the magnetic name tags. Yeah. It's like the magnet on the front, the magnet on the back, so it wasn't a pin. So I was, like, changing my shorts... Right, like to, to like go home in dry clothes. Right. So like I took off the shorts and, and like turfus fell out everywhere. Yep. I'm putting on new shirts. As I'm like tucking my shirt into the shorts, I pull on the front of the shirt to like get it into the shorts. Mm-hmm. My name tag pops off, lands in the toilet, and goes down the tube. <laughs> like I couldn't I couldn't even reach in and grab it. So in the same day, I cost the team a radio. And a name tag. And the name tag's only like 30 bucks or whatever. Yeah. But the radio is the expensive part. But I had to walk out of the bathroom and go into my boss's office, who had just given me an earful about thinking twice before I act because I just ruined a radio, (laughs) and tell her that I also needed a new name tag because mine ended up in the toilet. (laughs) So that's my tarp story. (laughs) All right. Man, that that is a winner for sure. Man. Wow. So we alluded to this a little bit before. I I pride myself as being the official Delaware ambassador of yes. the Danville baseball team. Uh, and we're proud to have you, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, being a semi-new person to Delaware, and you guys hadn't had Delaware yet, I was like, I was like oh, I'm in there. So <laughs> that was a fantastic way to gain followers, impressions, engagement, it, it like it's something so simple, but I never would have thought about that. Like it may, maybe I would have if it was like a new brand that I was you know bringing on. But can you just elaborate on that a little bit? Like in in just the engagement that you guys are having with with your fans and the rest of Twitter, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So um, I I learned from. A little bit of preliminary research and then talking to a, a few folks that, that worked for the D Braves that Facebook is 
the social network locally. Yeah. So, um, part, partially due to the demographic, partially due to the way news is spread around the town. Facebook is where a lot of the season ticket holders and local fan base lives. Mm-hmm. Instagram, obviously, across platforms is the most engaging if you do it right, especially amongst the younger crowd. Um, it's the highest in terms of, of translating posts to sales. Um, we are not going to unveil our, our Instagram until after we have a brand. Okay. Um, which has just taken a little bit of work off my plate, honestly, is the selfish reason for that. But uh, in terms of Twitter, I have made significant friendships and relations within the world of baseball on Twitter. I also know what it feels like to be engaged with by a team or a brand account. Yeah. So when I started this Twitter account from scratch, my first thought was, how do I make people feel like they're a part of what we are doing? So I tweeted something out uh, along the lines of the first person from a foreign country who responds to this gets to claim us as the official team of their country. And a woman named Fee Adolfsson uh, said, I'm from Denmark. And I said, congratulations. We are now the official baseball team of an entire country. And that was just a gimmick, right? Like that's, that's all that was. Right. I don't remember who it was. He is a current ambassador. I'll, I'll need to go back and look. Somebody responded and says, what about whatever state they were from? Up until that point, I had never thought about it. I, yeah. I literally had never thought about the entire ambassador program. Like, okay. as soon as I saw that tweet, it just flooded to me. I was like, oh my God, like, this is, this is it. Like, this is how we blanket the country in a matter of days or weeks, as opposed to taking five or six seasons to catch on and have guys who, you know, maybe play at USC. So then we pick up a couple of California fans or, uh, you know, play at Ohio State. Right. So then we pick up a couple of Ohio. Like it was just a fast-track way to do it. So in the first 10 days, we had 40 states represented. Most of those states now have a vice ambassador because if somebody didn't see, you know, oh, North Carolina was taken, um, what about North Carolina? I'm not going to say, oh, you know, screw you. Like, let's make a vice ambassador position. We have 13 states that have a speaker of the House of Ambassadors, which Ooh. is the third representative. Wow. And hopefully it doesn't happen. But obviously, just like the United States government, in the event that the ambassador and the vice ambassador cannot perform their duties, the speaker of the House of Ambassadors then becomes the acting Ooh. ambassador, right? Yes. So right now, um, I can't I can't lead on too much, but since it has been so successful so far, and since the vast majority of our Twitter engagement has either been from local folks who have found us and, and have latched on or those ambassadors, mm-hmm. we're going to have some pretty cool things. So you're going to get a DM from us probably in two to three weeks here. Um, one of the things that has been made public, we are going to do a zoom call, like an ambassador zoom oh, uh, nice. before we unveil the brand to okay. kind of give some teasers and give some behind the scenes to everybody. Awesome. Um, and then we're going to do some merch discounts. Like we're going to, so we're, we're going to have some fun. And yeah. at the end of the day, um, Part of, of this rebrand process for us has been finding an identity that represents the city of Danville in the Southside Virginia region. Yep. Because for 27 years, they've been the Braves. And there are obviously, you know, two full generations now of local folks who are Atlanta Braves fans because yeah. they grew up watching the Danville Braves. But there are also Dodgers fans and Yankees fans and Astros fans and Cardinals fans. And part of this is trying to find a unique identity that everybody can attach to. Like I have a Durham Bull tattooed on my arm that I have for almost 10 years because I am a Bulls fan. I'm not a Rays fan. Yeah. And if you go back on my Twitter, I was pretty outspoken about it during the playoffs. <laughs> I am not a Rays fan, but, um, but I'm a Bulls fan. So trying to create that, 
that identity has been special. Um, and, and, you know, again, just trying to be uh, a little bit more personable. Um, one of the other tweets that is still one of our most engaging, I got to find a way to top it, uh, was like we picked up like 400 followers overnight on the third day. I don't know what, like the first and second were kind of slow picking, but like 400 and we only have like 700 now. So it's a massive percentage where okay. that, that third day. So I tweeted something like, welcome to all of our new followers. Like for those that don't know, we're the new baseball team in Danville. Um, you have made a joke and that said our, our Twitter uh, or our social media manager lacks professionalism. Yeah. Um, and, and like, obviously like that's the whole goal is right. like the voice of our Twitter account is super casual. It's super friendly. It's super fun based on these name submissions. I think our team name is going to kind of end up fitting uh, that mold, which is going to be great because I don't then have to abruptly change the, the voice of, of the Twitter account. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I, I mean, I, I really should go back and check who that, that first person was okay. because this was not my original intention, but it became something that now I'm obviously very proud of. And it's pretty cool to know that 40 of the 48, you know, continental states, Alaska and Hawaii, I, I'm probably going to struggle to pick up uh, ambassadors yeah. from for, for a little bit, but 40 yeah. of the 48, uh, having representatives who hopefully will end up having merch. Somebody will see the hat and say, Hey, what is that? They'll be able to say, this is the Danville, whoever, right. And people are talking about Danville nationwide and then who knows what happens. So yeah, we're just having fun. Dude. It's awesome how you can like fall into stuff like that. And quite honestly, um, now, now Beloit was more of a, free for all like there was nobody above me saying like oh don't post that don't post that (laughs) um and then other places um that i won't name um i've only worked a couple places so um you can you guys can probably figure it out but it's like um you know you gotta nobody go to the linkedin page yeah you 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 have to get approval for press releases by like five different people you've gotta you've gotta if if you want to you know post a a risky tweet or something like that you gotta approve it by like three people and it's just like come on like this is supposed to be fun social like social media is more than just promotional it's engagement it's you know it's it's supposed to be fun so, and, and I just love what you guys are doing, dude. It's it's amazing, honestly. Well, th- thank you. And I will say the um, the fun little back and forth that we've had even just through these first few weeks with the team down in Burlington has been yeah a lot of fun. And because we're only 45 minutes away, like in terms of drive time, we're going to try to parlay the Twitter beef, quote-unquote beef, into a cool rivalry where we can have some of our fans go down there, make some noise for our guys on the road. Inevitably, they'll have some of their fans come up here, make some noise for their guys on the road. But, um, I mean, it's funny because one of the tweets that I I fired off tonight um, was that we signed Trevor Bauer because Bob Nightingale (laughs) tweeted that the Mets signed Trevor Bauer, and they didn't. Yeah, And and everybody was like, hey, like, Bob, what are you doing? Um, So I was like, okay, cool. Well, then we signed Trevor Bauer, and I'm going to tweet that. <laughs> um, and, I mean, I, it, like those those kinds of things, I, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it is, uh, it's, it's interesting and it's unique. And, and shout out to, to my uh, ownership group for uh, letting me take some risks, I'll say, um, and recognizing that the, the conversion from, 
you know, followers to engagement to eventual fans yep. is pretty easy if you do it right. Like if you if you take the time to do it right and and put some thought into some serious things, but then fly by the hip on, on some other things. Like I hate the concept of having like a post schedule. Like obviously there are gonna be some scheduled posts. Right. But I mean like I don't have a spreadsheet of like, hey, it's nine twelve on Wednesday morning. This is gonna go out. Yeah. Like sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and I'll just be like, hey, this is this is a cool thing that I saw that's trending right now. Let me fire this off. And you're right, like not having anybody to call and say, hey, can I say this? It, it's the greatest luxury in the world right now. Um, right. And obviously, I hope that, uh, you know, we're able to find not just a, a you know additional full-time staff member or two, but also a group of interns that uh, will be like-minded um, and won't be hesitant. Like, I think that's the biggest thing that, that I'm going to tell everybody that ends up working for us is like, if we hire you, it's because we trust you, like yeah. from day one. Like, do do your thing. Like, don't ever feel like you can't do your thing. And ultimately, that starts on on a platform like Twitter, but specifically through social media and digital engagement. And yep. Um, yep, yeah, man. So it's been fun. It's been fun. Yeah, I love it, man. So you're running this, you know, the social media for the Danville team, um, and you did in Daytona as well. Um, and I like to ask this to the other social media like managers. What's the weirdest message or comment you've gotten while running a team social media? Oh my god! Yeah, this was one I had to think about because there there are several. <laughs> the obvious, like the obvious answer is like especially here because it, it was publicized um, through our press release that the Appalachian League was changing. Yeah. Right. Like it's the same 10 teams. All of them are going to have different identities instead of being affiliated with one big league team each. It's part of this prospect development pipeline. Mm -hmm. Not everybody, especially today, will read the article. They'll read the headline. Yeah. So a lot of the local news, you know, places picked up on the story, took snippets from our press release and made a, you know, 500 word synopsis that they posted to their websites and, and posted on their Twitters and stuff, which is greatly appreciated. If any local news people are listening, thank you. We do right. appreciate the coverage. Please continue to cover us. <laughs> but because a lot of people just read the headlines, like I can't even count anymore. And it's only been a month. The amount of messages that we have on Facebook and Twitter of how can I join the team? Right. And that happens even when you're the AAA affiliate of somebody yes. and you have guys who are on major league contracts, right? Like, I mean, and people will still ask that. So that's the, the obvious, like the, the obvious answer. Um, I think my, my favorite unique one, there was a, uh, a company, uh, and I won't say which team this was for, but there was a company uh, called Something Socks. I'm going to leave this something. Uh, I'm going to call it uh, Rose's Socks for, okay. for the sake of the story. All right. So Rose's Socks sends a DM saying, um, we would love to do you know, specialty socks for the team store. We would love to outfit the team in our socks. Have you ever heard of the Cleveland Browns? We supplied their socks. That was a direct quote from the DM. Have you ever heard of the Cleveland Browns? We supplied their <laughs> socks. So I was like, okay, you know, like it, it might be worth like a potential sponsorship avenue. Like even if it's only a couple thousand dollars, like every penny helps. So right. Yes. Let's respond to this. Let's set up a call. Let's see what we can do. So we do, we set up a call. Um, I hop on the call with the, the person who owns the company and they start telling me, um, 
they don't actually supply the Cleveland Browns socks. They just have socks with the Browns design on them that they sell via their website. They also don't manufacture or produce their own socks. They're an independent salesperson for a national sock company that has a license with the NFL to put their logos on socks. Okay. So this person, instead of just making socks with every NFL team and selling it to every NFL fan, for whatever reason, decided to just put Cleveland Browns logos on socks and to sell the Cleveland Browns socks and to use that as the sales pitch in a Twitter DM to try to get a meeting with a baseball team to try to supply us as a team with socks with other already existing team names on them. Right. It's like, imagine imagine playing for, I don't know, like playing for the Toledo Mud Hens and then having like, you know, the Houston Oilers socks because some lady reached out with, you know, their, their company. Like, yeah. So oh it's just bizarre. Gosh. So needless to say, the, the phone call lasted all of 10 minutes because yeah. as soon as I realized what exactly was happening, I was like, oh, okay. So right. shout out to Rose's Socks. Fake, fake name, uh, but shout out to Rose's Socks for taking a shot, for for putting out a line that was good enough for me to at least bite. Yeah, but I got off the line before before I hit above water. So thank you. Okay. Guys, but. All right. Yeah, that that is a pretty weird one. Um, let's take a break. And um, what are you drinking tonight? Ooh, you're gonna need a hmm. refill. Good question. And if we're taking a break, it means I can pour another one. It's yeah. a a little Moscow Mule, but Ooh. I don't have. Like I was telling you earlier. 95% of my belongings are in a storage unit that are currently making their way to Danville. Yep. So I don't have my mule mug, so I'm just drinking it out of a glass. Okay. Um, does that make me some sort of plebeian? Probably. Yeah. It doesn't taste different to me, so I'm, I'm going to keep on doing it. All right. Perfect. Um, I am drinking, um, and I'm not usually a porter guy, and you may have heard this because I've mentioned it in a couple different episodes. <laughs> um and and I posted on Twitter and Instagram, but the Yingling Hershey's Porter mixed with the Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey, yep, is damn, it's amazing. We really, I meant to bring it. We we've got to get Screwball as an official sponsor. Oh, like, like, we, we've yes. got to, like that's like a pulling tart presented by Screwball. Are you oh, kidding me? Like it's a match made in heaven. I I do I do have to. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna slide in the DMs. I think. Yeah, and, yeah. Just and, say that your roses socks, and that you have. Have you ever heard of the Cleveland Browns? Just <laughs> have that be your opening line. <laughs> Maybe I should reach out to Yingling because they uh, are launching a new beer. I ju- they just announced it yesterday, and it's something completely off the wall um, from what they usually do. Because like you know, Yingling's been Yingling for literally since like 1776. Like it's yeah. like the America's oldest brewery. Um, and yeah, they've done Yingling Light and they've done the Hershey's Porter, but nothing to like really shake things up and make like young people want to drink it. <laughs> um, and th- this is geared towards 21 to 35 year olds. They're putting it in tall boy cans at 6%, and it's a mango beer. And it sounds like it's going to be amazing, honestly. I. So if if any of my uh, high school friends are are listening, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. When when I was in high school, we thought that Yingling was like craft beer. Yeah, like we were like, oh, like if we want to drink shit beer, we'll get like Bud Light or, or you know Keystone or something. But like if we're if we're high rolling, we're gonna get Yingling. Hell yeah. And then 
afterwards I realized I was like, oh no, like Yingling is like a mass brewery, like mass distiller. Like they, it's well, obviously better. It's like it's it doesn't taste like water. Yeah. Uh, like, you know? They they you could only get it like on the east coast for a while, and they've been expanding west. Um, I'm from Pennsylvania, so like I just thought Yingling was beer. Like, like yeah, that was yeah. that was the only beer that I like basically knew um, until you know I moved to Wisconsin and started trying like new stuff. But Same. yeah, and so <laughs> well, yeah. Now, now they continue like moving west, and I think next or maybe like sometime this year they're expanding to Texas. Um, yeah, so like they're I think as far west as. Indiana right now or like yeah I think Indiana the, the timeline yeah like they're like they're they're not in Wisconsin yet um so nothing's going to um challenge oh what's what's that oh. New Glarus no yes New Glarus yes dude did you have this is completely off topic but did you have a rolling rock in Pennsylvania like while you're growing up Yes, but it wasn't extremely popular. So I, growing up in North Carolina, I had never heard of Rolling Rock, and then going to college in Wisconsin, like from a keg standpoint, you know, like you could get like a fifty dollar keg of Keystone Light, you could get like a fifty five dollar keg of Miller Light, or you could get like a sixty five dollar keg of Rolling Rock. Yeah, and because there was like a price difference in my head as like a college student, I was like, oh. Like, this has to be, like, really good beer. But then when you drink it out of a can, like, Miller Lite is better. Yeah. Coors Light is better. Yingling right. is, is leaps and bounds better. Right. Like, I just never heard of it before, like, venturing off, you yeah. know, a thousand miles away from home. It's not great. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, outside... It's brewed outside of Pittsburgh, or at least it was. I don't think it is anymore. But speaking of kegs, like, I was like a magician like with mathematics like when i was the director of food and beverage for beloit um i knew like to the ounce like how much a keg of miller light like costs like i was like i was like oh like a keg of miller light like that's 92 beers um per 12 ounces and then like and then like break it down to like how much it costs per ounce like i was i was like Rain Man when it came to that shit. <laughs> the Rain Man of Meyer Week Baseball. That, that's, that should be your, your new like Twitter bio. Like that's, dude, that's phenomenal. Because that's, dude, I also, uh, like, and we might talk about this later, so I'll make, it, I'll make this a quick little quip here, but uh, when I was a beer mover in Madison, like, that was my introduction to just how many beers there were yeah because like even like as as like a quote-unquote frat guy in college like we would drink the same three beers like it wasn't like we were like going out and trying different beers when i was at the duck pond there were quite literally 250 taps yeah and and, you know obviously like there was bud light at every beer stand but like potosi i had never heard of potosi brewing they had like six potosi brews on tap the great dane um, which oh. I think is originally from Madison. Yeah, it's, 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 it's Madison. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but like Great Dane had their own, like down the third baseline, like the Great Dane yeah. beer stand, 
which was a rotating selection of four different Great Dane beers at a time. I love so Great like, Dane. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Like so, but like I was just a guy who, over the course of the summer, after jumping in and out of eighteen wheelers or like refrigerated eighteen wheelers to restock kegs, because that's how much people drink in, in the city of Madison, in the yeah. state of Wisconsin. There were refrigerated eighteen wheelers on the concourse because there were no walk-in coolers big enough to house the kegs that were needed to get through a homestand in that ballpark. Yep. It was insane. Yeah. But like, I knew, I, I mean, I probably have forgotten half of them to this point, honestly, but I, I knew more about beer that summer than I ever thought that I would have in the, the course of my life. Yeah, I mean, Beloit is, I mean, it's a shithole. Like, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> but, and, and it's a high school field with, like, bleachers, like in and lights and but we had 27 beers on tap and i want to say the same amount in bottles and so it's just like unreal like in beloit wisconsin we had like over 50 beers All right, Austin, you went on, uh, oh, excuse me, you went to college at University of Wisconsin, and your first job in baseball was as a beer mover for the Madison Mallards, which <laughs> which speaks volumes that you're now the general manager of the new team in Danville, um, but so clearly you've spent some time in Wisconsin, and so have I. I, I, we, we talked about this, you know, when we weren't recording, but I love Wisconsin. You love Wisconsin. What's your favorite part about Wisconsin? Oh man. Okay. So from a personal standpoint, my favorite part about Wisconsin is the people. And as weird as that sounds like, so I'm from North Carolina originally. Yeah. So I grew up in the quote unquote, uh, you know, Southern charm uh, part of the country. Yeah. I learned very quickly in Wisconsin what actual nice was. Yeah. Like Midwestern nice is genuine nice. Like sure actual is. Actual yeah. helpful. Whereas Southern nice is like the, oh, bless your heart. Where it's all just a, it's just a show. Like it's cotillion bullshit. Um, <laughs> so, so You're not wrong. No, no. I mean, like, it, it is what it is. But yeah. um, my favorite part of Wisconsin is the people from, from a, a work experience and baseball experience standpoint. Um, my favorite part is the fervor for sports. So to me, I've never been in a place and I grew up in the heart of the Duke Carolina rivalry, but I've never been in a place where people are more passionate about their sports teams. So like in Madison on a Badger football Saturday, the entire city turns red. Yeah. On Sundays during football season throughout the entire state, everywhere turns green and gold. Um, And I've just never been to a place where, you know, like infants all the way up to, you know, 99 year olds on their deathbed, care so much about their sports and it extends beyond just football right like miller park or sorry american family insurance field miller park it's called now yeah (laughs) (laughs) um you know like i've had some of my best 
baseball memories there because yeah. they're able to tailgate in the parking lot. So like me and my buddies would go like grill out and spend four hours in the parking lot and then go in and watch a hell of a baseball game. Yep. Um, basketball, like my favorite NBA memory, I'm a Knicks fan, but my favorite NBA memory, uh, I worked at a Papa John's while I was in college and my manager uh, had season tickets right on the, the visitor's tunnel um, at the Bradley Center. So Ooh. I haven't been to Fiserv Forum yet, but yeah. um, my favorite NBA memory was he knew I was a Knicks fan. The Knicks were coming into town. He didn't schedule me that night on purpose and gave me his two seats. So me and a buddy awesome. went to see that game. And this was before the Giannis era. Like this was when the Bucks were terrible. Okay. It was actually in the, the, the early 2010s when the Knicks had mellow and, and uh, it was the year after Winsanity. Um, so we were, we were on a high as, as the Knicks and being a Knicks fan in the Bradley center was like, like I've been a Yankees fan at Fenway and I've never felt the animosity that I felt in the Bradley Center as a Knicks fan that night, right? Damn. So I, I just, I think the the sports fandom and the way that people latch onto their teams, like for better or for worse, in good years and in bad, um, it, it, it was awesome, man. It's like, I, I love the state. Uh, I love the people. I love their sports fandom. Um, unfortunately, the Badgers are my only allegiance. Like, I, I don't... Right. Uh, even after spending five years there, I, I didn't pick up on on being another uh, fan. I, I was I was too stubborn in my my ways that were set before I moved there. But right. what a state, man! Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm the same way. Um, but the best like sports memory I have is so there's um a group of people from Beloit that have what they call the Milwaukee package, um for <laughs> for the Packers. Which apparently back in the day, like the Packers would play like two or three games in Milwaukee. But now since they redid Lambeau, like clearly they play all their home games at Lambeau. But like this package like is passed down from generation to generation. And the guy that was the president, um, Dennis Connerton in Beloit, he had this Milwaukee package. And a bunch of people in Beloit had the same Milwaukee package. So we would charter a bus from Beloit to Green Bay and um for for these two games a year and then one preseason game um and it was amazing and it was so like my my boss didn't have any kids or a wife or anything so he would offer it to the staff members well two of the four years I was in Beloit um the Milwaukee Packers happened to you know the Packers happened to play the Eagles um, which is my team. Um, so I got to go up there and basically, um, so like all the old ladies will make food and stuff and pass it around on the bus. And then like, there's this one like old guy, you know, we all pack beers and stuff like that. But this one old guy would pass around a bottle of bourbon around on the bus <laughs> and we would all take pulls out of it. And this is at 6 a.m. for for a one o'clock game. I, I shit you not. One time, I pretty much blacked out and, like, don't remember the first half of the game. And, and like, I, like, came to the second half of the game. Like, that's that's how much of a good time it was. And I love Wisconsin. I really do miss Culver's, though. Culver's is... Dude, all right. One of the greatest things, uh, surprising things, I had no idea beforehand... Moving from Greensboro, North Carolina to Daytona Beach, Florida. 
there were two Culver's in Daytona. Whoa. Yeah, 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 yeah. So my Saturday tradition for Badger games when I was living down there was to go to Culver's, yep. get a double butter burger, yep. curds, and root beer, go back to my house, and watch the Badgers while eating Culver's. Yep. And generally it worked. Okay. Uh, generally. Uh, a couple times it, it didn't, but I had to convince myself because I wasn't going to stop eating Culver's that what I was doing and my traditions actually did not impact the result of the game, which was tough mm. to get through my skull. Yeah. Um, because I'm, I'm a traditions guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, dude, like I, uh, Culver's, man, I, man, see now I'm just, mm, oh, reminiscing. It's just so good. Reminiscing. I, those 11 o'clock kickoffs, uh, I mean, we were up at six, drinking by 6.30. Um, game is over by 2, 2.30. You get a nice afternoon nap in and then you hit the town again at night. Yeah. Like those, those Saturdays, oh, nothing mm. like it. Nothing the, like the it. State, nope. And I'll go on record on saying this. No place drinks like the state of Wisconsin. Dude, I, okay, so the thing that I learned the most in Madison as a beer mover, like, it literally, it was me and one other person. So, actually, this is a good story. Um, because I was a rather lazy student at the time, I missed the internship deadline okay. for the Mallards. So I went to their open casting call for game day staff. Okay. And I sat down with a guy. I just thought he was a guy. And I said, like, I gave him my resume. I told him, you know, like, oh, I'm a student at UW. Uh, I had, you know, a tough semester, and I forgot to send in my internship application. Do you have a position that would give me more behind the scenes, you know, actually, <laughs> that, that would give me more opportunity to learn? Yeah. And he said, I've got something for you, but I don't think you'll want to do it like with what you want to do for a career. And I said, what is it? And he said, well, you'd be a beer mover. And I was like, tell me about it. And I essentially, I showed up two hours before the rest of the game day staff. So it was just me, the interns, and the full-time staff. I would leave after the rest of the game day staff. And it was on me to set up every single tap, every single bar throughout the ballpark. Wow. I had working relationships with every bartender and every bar back and every usher. I got to experience, I mean, dude, the duck pond, it's summer collegiate ball. Sure. They would have 6,500 people in there every single night, whether it was a Tuesday, a Friday, a Sunday. Like, it was packed out every single night. Yeah. So I got to learn what the fan experience was from the staff side. Like, growing up going to Bulls games in Durham, I knew what the fan experience was from a fan side. But being able to see that other side of things, yeah, uh, it got to the point where they gave everybody two staff shirts. They ended up giving me six because I had sweated through the first one before gates opened. Yeah. So then I would change, and then about the fourth or fifth inning, I would sweat through the second one, so then I would change again. So instead of having two staff shirts to last me two games, I would have three for one night, three for the next, then do laundry, and there do it all over go. again. Uh, we had a refrigerated 18-wheeler on the concourse because there was not enough storage space in the walk-in coolers to store the amount of beer that was drank on a nightly basis in that ballpark. Like on a Friday, Saturday, I would legitimately, this is not a lie, change a hundred, 150 kegs. Like that's how much the people in that state. That's (laughs) that's not surprising. I mean, on Sundays we had $2 wine and Kugel's bottles. Oh my God. Yeah, I yeah, dude. Oh my gosh, dude! <laughs> and literally, like, and I think, like, I think I saw this like a couple years ago online, and it was like the top twenty cities that um, 
that drink the most in the United States, and like 12 out of the 20 <laughs> were from Wisconsin. And I was like, that's no surprise, you know? <laughs> One of the things that I told all my friends from home, like my freshman year, <laughs> was uh, the city of Madison has the highest percentage of bars to grocery stores in the country. So there are three grocery stores within the city limits of Madison. Yeah. And there are like, I don't know, 112 bars. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, it, was, it was a great time. Uh, and shout out the Mallards. Like I still, at every step of the way along my career, regardless of the level of baseball or the size of the ballpark or the size of the market that the city was in, uh, like I look to the Mallards as like the crown jewel of excellence. Like they just did everything right yeah and I, I count myself lucky like uh one of my my buddies who actually now is the sports information director at rutgers for uh football men's basketball and lacrosse nice he interned with the mallards and he was the one that told me he was like you need to you need to get in there and uh, obviously again i missed the application deadline uh but i got in there and that started everything shout out amy venuto uh of amy venuto team services she was the sales trainer that uh, I worked with in Greensboro. And she told me like it, my first or second day there, because uh, she asked me, she was like, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be a general manager. And she said, uh, you might, if you end up doing that, you might just be the first ever beer mover turned general manager. And I implore everybody that's listening to this, if you know any other beer movers turned general managers or beer movers that even have, have ventured into the front office space, please send me a DM on Twitter because I'd like to talk to them about their beer moving experience because yes. it was a hell of a summer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, trust me, I've done my fair share of beer moving as <laughs> director of food and beverage for the Beloit Snappers, which I in no way was qualified for. Absol- <laughs> absolutely no way. But um, shout out to the, to the state of Wisconsin. Um, the Madison Mallards, yeah, they do everything right, um, but... I've been to a couple games and like the baseball is like secondary, you know, oh, yeah. like, oh, yeah. like every it's, it's like a carnival with a baseball game going on in the <laughs> middle of it. And like, shout out to them. Like, like that shit sells, obviously, you know, like it's fantastic. Dude, um, they, they still, one of the most insane things that I've ever seen, they had their mascot get on a zip line behind the right field outfield fence and zip line in the first pitch game ball every single night. So like, I'm sure everybody listening to this that's ever been in a mascot suit knows how terrifying it is to walk up a set of stairs in the suit, let alone to get hitched up to a zip line and fly from 330 feet away to home plate to deliver the game ball every single night. And that was just like a piece of the action. Like that wasn't the highlight of the night. Like it's insane. The scariest thing I've ever done in a mascot costume was play broom hockey on on actual ice. Nope. Oh nope. my gosh, it was the scariest. Nope. Like it was so. Uh, it brings back really bad memories. So we're gonna move on to the next question. Um, <laughs> so three. I, I'll. So I wrote this before this happened, but four of the teams in the Appy League have announced their rebrand. We've got the Bristol State Liners, the Burlington Sock Pop... Sock... The Sock Puppets, right? 
Sock puppets. Sock puppets, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the Johnson City Doughboys. And then Burlington, who, who announced theirs, like, yesterday? Um, so, uh, Johnson City Doughboys, uh, the Greenville Flyboys were announced. Okay. Um, and then there was somebody else. Did Burlington announce theirs? Burlington is Burlington officially they they were the first. Burlington and Bristol announced day one. Okay. Johnson yeah. City was day two. Greenville Flyboys, oh my god, why do I Oh Elizabethton. Yeah, Elizabethton, Elizabethton yeah. is the is the River Riders. Okay. The River Riders. Okay. Yep. Very cool. So what can we expect from Danville and can you give us any teasers? Yes. So uh we have had um we're fortunate, and, and I did a, a local news piece yesterday and, and expressed the same sentiment to the local folks here. Is um, like I'm from 40 miles away, like I'm, I'm from an hour drive away. That's relatively close, but I'm not from here. So if I put it on myself to name this team, I think I would be doing a disservice to the community. Sure. So we have crowdsourced, um, and as of right before this recording, we were at like 490 something submissions. Okay. So what we're gonna do uh, the, the the submissions as of recording, um, there's about 18 hours left uh, that that we have the the form open. Um, what I'm gonna do with with my owners are are kind of look through everything and try to find common themes. Okay. So what we have asked people is. Um, on the form to suggest a name and then immediately afterwards describe why. So the why to me is the most important thing. And what I hope people eventually understand is even if their name is not chosen, their reasoning will go into the decision-making that we have on what the ballpark looks like, what the game day experience looks like, um, what the different neighborhoods on on the concourse look like, right? So, um, you know, the, the old 97s, has been brought up, excuse me, several times. The Leafs have been brought up several times. The All-Stars have been brought up several times. Those are the three previous professional baseball teams that have existed in Danville before the Braves were Yeah, the All-Stars were the Negro League team. Yeah, yeah. I saw I yeah. saw that on your guys' Twitter, yeah. Yeah, which is which is awesome, right? So, like, those are all our calls to history here. Yeah. Um, and whether or not one of those three teams ends up uh, being our new moniker – all three of them will play a large role in what the game day experience looks like. Okay. Likewise, uh, you know, the River Riders is a fantastic nickname for the Elizabethan team because they're the only ballpark in the country. Actually, now Beloit, uh, their new ballpark is built right on the river. Yeah. But they, up until Beloit, were the only ballpark in the country that had a river viewable from the seating bowl in the country. Okay. So it makes perfect sense for them to be the River Riders. Um we also are built on the Dan River. Danville, Virginia is called Danville because we're on the Dan River. Okay. So we've had probably, I mean, 175 to 200 of the name submissions yeah. have been river related. So uh, river warriors, river rafters, uh, the anglers, um, catfish, uh, the otters, the river otters, um, you know, so all of these river based monikers. And again, whether or not those end up being the name of the team, you can bet that, you know, within maybe it's the color scheme, maybe it's the sounds that play over the PA system, the river will be incorporated into what we do. Perfect. 
other part of, of the names that have been submitted is like looking towards the future of Danville. So Caesars is building a casino here that is going to open in two years. Really? So, oh okay. yeah, yeah. Which, um, by the way, shout out Caesars because the two to three million visitors that come through the city, uh, you can bet your bottom dollar I'm going to do everything I can to get every single one of those folks in the ballpark. I, <laughs> I smell sponsorship coming. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, I, I mean, like, one of the most intriguing names to me was the Golden Gamblers. Ooh. Right? Like, so, so the person that submitted that Ooh. obviously knows where minor league baseball names are headed. Yeah. Right? Like, if you look at the Trash Pandas and the Rumble Ponies and the Baby Cakes, RIP, um, you know, some of these names are so outlandish from an outside perspective, but yeah. to the community, they make all the sense in the world. Sure. The other side of, of the future that people have looked at is like robotics. So there's a, a massive investment in STEM education here. Um, mm. There's the Institute for Advanced Learning and Research. Uh, there's the Innovation Hub that both exist here in town. And they're pushing advanced manufacturing and precision machining. So like one of the coolest names that I found, it's obviously not going to fly from a copyright perspective, is the BattleBots. Right, yeah. so like because of that TLC show, we would never get away with naming the team the BattleBots. But looking towards the future is another cool thing. So I yeah. don't know what the name is going to be, um, and until the end of the submissions, uh, I'm not even going to try to speculate. But what I can promise to not just the people of Danville and the Southside Virginia region, but to baseball fans all across the country is we are going to do our darndest to pay homage to a local identity that every single person here can latch onto right. while providing opportunities to have some fun, to have a hat and a shirt and a jersey that will sell, uh, yeah. not just from a, a profit standpoint. Right. But like I would love for somebody in you know Huntington Beach, California to rock a Danville baseball hat and to have somebody walk up to them on the street and say, man, I love that hat. What is that? And they say, oh, this is the Danville, Virginia baseball team. Like, that's, well, that's at the Hunter end of the day, will. goes back to the discussion we had about the ambassadors thing. Yeah. Like, I want everybody across the country to know that Danville is here and Danville ain't going nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, I think Hunter will wear um, some Danville stuff um, back in Cali for sure. <laughs> he better. He better. <laughs> <laughs> if he knows what's good for him, he better. <laughs> um, so. Clearly, like, one of your top priorities um, in the industry has been sales so far. Um, so I always like to ask my salespeople that I have come on, because cause I've come, I've, you know, gone into sales um, in the insurance industry and the baseball industry, and I didn't really care to, to be honest with you. It was just kind of like, oh, I show up for the first day of the job. Oh, we're going on sales meetings. Oh, okay. You know, like, and then it just, you know, s- snowballs from there. Um, and I fa- and I found out that I was good at it. So what's the number one secret to sales, Austin? It's a really good question. Um, my former bosses might not like this answer, uh, but the number one secret to sales to me is not always going for the highest dollar amount. Yeah. So... When I'm looking at a company, a family, an individual, whoever it is, trying to find something that honestly works for them. And what I've always told the salespeople that have worked on my sales teams is um, if there's a company that has a $10,000 budget that they're willing to spend with you, are you going to build a $10,000 partnership package 
that will take their money for the minimal, you know, that, that you could give them, right? So like if you could give them a dugout top, a program ad, and especially Jersey for $10,000, will that work for them? Or are you going to be honest with those people and say, listen, I can build you a $5,000 package that we're going to sign a five-year deal on. So it equates to 25,000 instead of the 10. And after that five, those five years, you are going to love every bit of this so much that that $10,000 annual budget becomes 20,000. Yeah. And then we sign another five-year contract where the annual value is 20,000 a year. I will take that over taking the quick 10,000 and having them never want to work with you again. Sure. Right. So it makes sense. Trying to, to do, and I hate this phrase needs analysis. And like, uh, we talked about it offline. My degree is in religious studies. Like I don't have a business degree. I don't have an econ degree. I don't have a marketing degree. I don't know what the sales people are going to say, mm-hmm. um, when they hear this, but, <laughs> uh, but to me, finding out what I can do as a representative of the organization for my client, for my partner, and earnestly putting together a package that will give them the best return, knowing that it will turn into a long-standing partnership where every place that they go, whether it's a chamber of commerce meeting or a rotary club or a Kiwanis club or their church or back to their family and say, Oh my God, I am so happy to be working with the team. Yeah. That is worth more than a quick cash grab. Yeah. Hell yeah. I I love, I I love that answer. Honestly. Um, in Beloit, it was just like, we'll take whatever we can get. And then like, when I got to Delmarva, it was just like, okay, we're going to talk about what the goal of this company is, um, and how they expect to get there. And then like, we'll plug in the rest and like, you know, come up with some ideas. So like, you know, both of my stops in sales and minor league baseball really helped me. Um, whereas sales and insurance is just like, here's the price, take it or leave it, you know, like, and you can always upsell to like, you know, other stuff, but, but like baseball is like where you build relationships and like you, you start off with like a $200 program ad in Beloit and then you work your way up to, you know, out outfield sign company outing you know like that kind of that kind of shit and it's and you know that's what sales are like you know like and people people at my um work now like some people are like oh you're way too personable with with the customers and i'm like no that's what builds sales like like me talking about somebody's dog for five minutes will lead to another sale i promise you like (laughs) you know like i my if you go into my entries into like crms at every team that i've been to the amount of notes that i have on personal elements of you know a a hr manager or a marketing manager a ceo's life are vast compared to what the business notes are yeah like it's important for me to know are you a baseball fan if so who's your team why are they your team? Right. Like if, if you are from, so I'm going to use Greensboro as an example. If you're from Greensboro, born and raised in Greensboro, you're 60 years old, you own a car dealership. Why are you a Yankees fan? 
from Greensboro, North Carolina. Sure. Oh, because you grew up watching Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris? Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's right. a more important thing for me to know than how many cars you sell a month. Sure. Because me knowing that you're a Yankees fan, so when the Charleston River Dogs, who are affiliated with the New York Yankees, formerly affiliated with the New York Yankees, yes. are coming formerly. into Greensboro, yeah. yep. I can make sure to get you into the gates before they open so that you can go down and watch a little bit of batting practice of these future Yankees. Yep. That is more valuable than adding $5,000 onto your package to have an additional signage element or to have an additional night under your belt. Right. Like that is more valuable to the person. So again, I think insurance is an interesting juxtaposition. Um, and I don't mean this as offensive in any way. Baseball is a product that nobody needs, you're, but everybody kind of wants. Yes. You're absolutely right about where, that. Where insurance, though, is nobody really wants to spend the money on insurance, but everybody needs to. Yes. So how do you find the common ground in selling the products Yep. It's not the products. It's the people. Yes. Like, that's that's it. Yeah. That's it. Like, cars. Dude, I, <laughs> I bought a car while I was working for the team in Greensboro from one of my sponsors. Yeah. Shout out Reedsville Nissan. Hell yeah. Um, the exact same car, same year, same make, same model, was available at a competitive dealership for, I, I don't know, $1,200 less. So $1,200 over five years of a, of a payment plan is not all that much of a difference by month, right? Yeah. So like if you want to break it down like that, it's not, it's negligible. It's, yeah, it's not but I know the people that work at regional Nissan. I know their stories. I know their families. I am much more likely to support that business because I have those personal relationships than taking the $1,200 discount, again, spread over five years, which is negligible. Right. So I, I, I have to view baseball and selling baseball in the same manner, and you brought up the company outings thing, the amount of times I've gotten chewed out by managers for switching what could be a potential sponsorship into a ticket plan, whether it's season tickets or a group outing, yeah, it, it, I, I can't even count them anymore. But I can also tell you that seeing the smiles on people's faces when you know the owner of a company's granddaughter gets to throw out a first pitch, yep. that smile cannot be replicated by an outfield wall sign. Right. Like the, the experience that people have having an all-you-can-eat buffet and guzzling beer for the hour and a half of, of the picnic where beer is included and then joking around with them after the fact. Like that, yep. can't, you can't put a dollar amount on that, but it does equate to a longer-term successful relationship. Yep. And again, that's like to me, that's what it all comes down to. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I can't, I can't tell you how many... Um, you know, sponsorships have come from me selling a ticket plan or a group outing, and then it turns into something massive. Um, and it's and it's the same way with insurance. It's like, okay, we did like your one auto. Okay, well now you have a business, and then now you have five auto, and now you have a you're building a home, and now you need an umbrella policy, and now you need life insurance, and it's just like. You know, like, and and I learned how to sell in baseball. And, like, that's what makes me successful is because I sold something that nobody needs, but they wanted. And now I'm selling something that they absolutely need, but they don't really want. So, Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it is like, I think one of the most impactful things that was ever said to me, and it was while I was in Greensboro. So Greensboro is in an interesting market. It's, it's you know, 600,000 people. Lincoln Financial is headquarters there. Uh, you know, uh, Sunbrella, uh, Glenn Martin or Glenn Raven is headquarters there. Precore Workout Equipment, which has the national contract for Planet Fitness is headquarters there. So there are multi-billion dollar businesses there. Yeah. Um, they also, though, are surrounded 20 miles to the east are the Burlington Sock Puppets. 20 miles to the west are the Winston-Salem Dash. Yeah. 40 miles to the east are the Durham Bulls. 50 miles west are the Kannapolis Cannonballers. 70 miles west are the Charlotte Knights. If yeah. you look at the other minor league baseball teams as competition, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah. Competition is where else are leisure dollars being spent. It's bowling alleys, it's movie theaters, it's restaurants. Yep. So if you can have your company outing at a public park, but you as the staff have to provide the food, have to set up the food, have to bring in the outside entertainment, have to clean up afterwards. Well, the HR people aren't going to be able to enjoy that outing because yeah. they're going to be working during the company picnic. Whereas if you come to the ballpark, we take care of all that for you. Every single member of the staff gets to enjoy that outing. Right. And while you might be paying 2 to $3 more per person, the return, and, and this is a terrible thing to say, but in terms of selling to like a business, in terms of like what their people will experience at the ballpark, sometimes one good night where the boss is you know part of a sumo competition where yeah. every single member of the staff has their phones out and is watching their boss get absolutely obliterated yes. on the field in a sumo suit, that is worth more than asking for a raise. Yep. That moment will offset a complaint that they have because they've been wearing the same work shirts for three years and their collars are folded over and they want new work shirts. <laughs> to use an example from the office, like Michael Scott tried it and because he's a, a you know a, a fallible character, it didn't work. But like the beach day was supposed to be an offset of needing a new copier or needing new chairs. Right. right? And because he is the character that he is, it just didn't work out. Yep. But that's the mindset, right? Like we can provide something at a minor league baseball stadium that can't be provided anywhere else. And again, as the salesperson, it's just on me to spend an extra few minutes getting to the bottom of who the person is rather than who the business is to try to figure out what the fuck is actually going to work. Yeah. I get it, man. That's yeah. That is awesome, and that is the secret to sales, if you ask me. Yep. So, yep. Um, let's chat a little bit about snapbacks and interbrews. Um, <laughs> I fucking love your guys' podcasts. Um, Thank you. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and um, actually, you guys just shouted me out. Um, I I wrote I didn't I didn't write it anonymously, but like also. You didn't really know it was me, but also you guys figured it out pretty quickly. Um, and I, I already listened to like the first like forty five minutes of it. Um, but I really resonate with your guys' podcast, um, and it's fantastic. It is the perfect mix of dudes being dudes, dicking around, and and then t be on a serious note, like talking about sports business. And then, like, just, like, you know, culture, uh, you know, like, pop pop culture and all that shit. And it's just, like, and you guys, you, ju you just let it flow. And it's, in 
Like, that's kind of, and I talked to you about this before we started recording, like, that's kind of what I wanted the Pulling Tart podcast to be, but, like, people are, like, afraid to, like, you know, like, oh, I represent my employer and all that shit. So, like, it's become a little bit more G-rated or PG-rated, if you will. Um, But, like, I love you guys' podcast. And, like, so, like, around here, I don't have a ton of friends that are, like, diehard sports fans. And, like, and get, like, why I was working in baseball for eight years. Um, And, and, like, but, like, you guys get it and, like, I've had Hunter on my podcast. Now I've had you on my podcast. And it's just like, I I already know, like, we're friends. Like, because, like, I'm just like, oh, like, I'm kind of weird, aren't I? And then, like, (laughs) and then I listened to your guys' podcast. And I was just like, well, these guys are weird, too. Like, they're they're the same kind of weird that I am. Like, I think in the comment I wrote on on, um, Apple Podcasts, it's like, these guys are g- degenerates, but they're the same kind of degenerates that I am. Um, yeah. So I I imp- appreciate that, and like you guys, I, I don't. You're like what twenty five episodes in, and it is on point. Like I I love it so much. Like I don't give a fuck if the if the episodes are two and a half hours long. I will <laughs> listen to it. Well, thank you. Uh, earnestly, thank you. Um, and it, it was it was one of those things where, like, Hunter and I, I have the text. I took a picture of it so, so that I always have it. He texted me one day in, like, June. So, uh, unfortunately, it was kind of the month of reckoning among minor league baseball teams. And yeah. um, the Pelicans had, had, had to furlough the majority of their staff. Um, the Tortugas, we, we had to furlough the majority of our staff. And... Um, he texted me one night and said, dude, I have a perfect name for a podcast, like snapbacks and interviews. And, uh, and I was like, what about snapbacks and interbrews? Yes. And we recorded the first episode like a week and a half later and ended up not releasing it until like October, yeah. uh, which was, it's typical of the two of us, but we, we made the, the little description of it, like just two more guys that decided to start a podcast in the quarantine. Right. And yeah. like, it's funny uh, for for the first couple months, like May and April or March and April, like Amazon had all of their podcast mics like sold out, which is to why this day right. I, I'm still using like headphone microphone, <laughs> um, and I they're they're restocked. I should probably invest in getting a half decent microphone for these kinds of things. But um, what we wanted to do was create a platform, much like you have, where people can like blow off some steam and talk about things that they, they'd like to talk about, but they can't necessarily talk about in a staff meeting. Um, and because we both like snapbacks and we both like beers, we figured, Oh, that's a great way to introduce it is we'll wear different hats. Every episode, we'll drink different beers every episode. Um, neither one of us really thought about the fact that that would mean that we would need to buy a lot of fucking snapbacks and a lot of fucking beer. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But, but, um, it, it is, it's interesting my introduction to podcasts was through comedians. Yeah. It's like, I'm a, I'm a huge stand-up comedy fan. Um, and my fix outside of like watching our specials on Netflix was having these weekly outlets where I was listening to some of my favorite comedians, just bullshit. And my favorite part of, of those podcasts was most of them are stream of consciousness. Um, and I know that a lot of the most successful podcasts in the world are structured and they have segments and they have like, you know, uh, 
introductions as to, you know, in this episode, the first 10 minutes is this, and then the second 20 minutes is this, and then the final half hour is this. Yeah. And we didn't really want to do that, right? Like, we, we just kind of wanted to, to just talk and bullshit and have some fun. Yeah. And we we did, I actually, I mentioned it in one of the most recent episodes, like, the the growth from episode, like, 3 to episode, like, 12 was massive. And then we've kind of plateaued after that. Okay. But neither one of us are trying to, like, find sponsors or get rich off of it. Like, we just want, like, if the people that are listening are enjoying it, then that's all that matters to us. Right. And we actually discussed it through text it wasn't on on a recording but like even if we had an episode where exactly zero people listened to it we would still do it because at the end of the day it's just an outlet for the two of us it helps and you make the, you sane yeah yeah and and the the reason i brought up the the comedian podcast thing was like i i listened to probably like five or six hours worth of podcasts every week yeah um and most of them have the same themes, right? So of people within the industry that I listen to, it's pretty much just you and Danielle Chalinski, who has over the past few weeks introduced Coffee Dates with D, which is fantastic. And it's a little bit different, but she's had a lot of minor league baseball folks on. Okay. So it's some of the same themes. Um, but it is, it's interesting uh, to kind of look across this podcasting space and realize that the same format works. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, and we've, we, Hunter and I have talked like, we'll need to find a date to have you on ours. And it doesn't yeah. necessarily matter that you have had Hunter and I on this one, because the conversation that we will inevitably have between the three of us will be different subject matter, even if it's the same topic or the same umbrella topic. Right. It will be different subject matter because we all have so much to discuss and get off our chests. Yeah. Um, and some of it, you know, like we've had a couple people on, um, and I'm sure you've experienced the same thing, who after we've wrapped, because we do drink during our, our recordings, um, have kind of said, hey, uh, like I name dropped somebody that I cannot have going public. Sure. Um, and Hunter is our editor, so poor Hunter has to go back and, and edit everything out. And, yeah. Um, and that's fine. But like that's kind of the point. Like, I, I almost think that if we get through an episode and somebody doesn't say something that they weren't planning on saying, we didn't do our jobs. Right. right? Like, we, we, we want that, that deep dirt. Like, we yeah. want people to talk about the things that would normally be reserved for a group of friends sitting around a couch that has not been able to happen over the past 12 months because for sure. we haven't been able to get together with, with people because of COVID. Yeah. Or the conversations that happen at a bar with a stranger that again, we haven't been able to have over the past 12 months because of COVID. So um, it, it, it's been a lot of fun. Um, and I do uh, it, it, thank you for listening. Thanks uh, to everybody who is listening to this that also listens to, to Snapbacks and Airbrews. And um, it has become more difficult to stay regular uh, since sure. I've, I've taken this job. But it is, it's one of those things where like, even if we miss a week, we're not going to stop because I mean, for me, and actually Hunter and I talk about this on the most recent episode is um, like, I haven't had a, an actual therapy appointment in like seven or eight years. And I count myself relatively lucky in that I have a, a really good group of close friends who I can always, you know, kind of vent to and have honest conversations with, with no judgment, no repercussions. Yeah. But having the podcast has been an additional form of outlet where even if it's just like a Twitter trend that we see 
that we can't put our thoughts in 280 characters, well, we can spend five minutes talking about it on the podcast. Right. Um, and I think the most interesting thing that, that we've tried to do is have, uh, you know, different perspectives from a guest standpoint. Mm-hmm. So we've had folks who have worked just in minor league baseball. We've had folks that have worked for the XFL. We've had folks that have worked for major league baseball. Yep. We've had folks that are, you know, professional photographers, professional broadcasters, folks from the collegiate athletic space. Um, and at the end of the day, the most interesting thing to me is that we all have shared experiences. Yeah. Like we all have similarities in what we go through on a day-to-day basis. Of course. And even you and I, in, in some of our, our off-recording conversations, but like we were talking about the, like your similarities and, and differences, but your similarities in working in baseball and working in insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the hardships of trying to form a career in baseball or in, in sports Um, where the hours are long and the pay is low and trying to live a life outside of it. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a great experiment so far. Um, and we started it again, just as I think the the description is, uh, just two more guys who decided to start a podcast during the pandemic, Right. but it has turned into this thing where again, like, I don't think that we're ever going to stop doing it, even if nobody listens, because it does, it provides us a couple of hours every week just to bullshit with each other and bullshit with a guest. And hopefully we say something to each other that sparks a thought. Hopefully we say something to a guest or the guest says something to us that makes us think a little bit, but, um, we've had some fun. So I, I will say, uh, from the episodes that I've listened to of yours, you do get more substantive and you tend to get better answers out of people than than we get. Um, (laughs) But but that just leaves room for growth for us. Yeah. Uh, But I, I love like you guys are like, you know, it's, I don't know how to say this, but like, it's like the free spirit of podcasts, you know, but like also for me personally, I resonate with, 99% 99% of things that you guys say on that <laughs> podcast and like and that's awesome like because like I I honestly feel like your guys's podcast is geared towards people like me yeah um and and that's amazing and and Hunter's a marketing genius you're 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 a marketing genius and it's just like you know and like you guys get together and talk about like you know you know sports business and like you know pop culture and it's just like it's just like this is the podcast I've been waiting for. I don't give a shit if I'm the only listener, honestly. Like <laughs> I I love it. And and clearly I've never met you or Hunter, but I've, you know, zoomed with you guys and shit like that. Um yeah. I, I love it. I'd be more than happy to come on as a guest at some point. Um, you know, let's... let's it, it, it's going to happen. It's yeah. going to happen. Because I, I think... And, and I, I think we even joked about it on Twitter a couple weeks ago. It might have been a couple months ago. Time has flown. Um, like, it's the crossover that the world has been waiting for. Yes. Like, really. <laughs> yes. Um, and and I, told, I told you, like, when we weren't recording, like... Three people have started podcasts after they've been a guest on my podcast. And and I was just like, you know, I'm sitting back and I'm just like, damn, y'all really think it's that easy, huh? And um, 
So, like, one person, they started theirs, and I think it lasted, like, six or eight episodes. I think they kind of figured out, like, it's harder than what it looks like. Um, and then um, the other person is a multimillionaire who is a <laughs> entrepreneur, and um, his is going probably pretty well, if you ask me. I don't know, um, honestly. And then you and Hunter are different because you guys had recorded you know, the first two episodes, um, when I had Hunter on my podcast. Um, and so like, that's different because like you guys already had that in the works, but like I started this podcast pre COVID and then like, it just made everything way easier as far as getting guests on because I didn't have to look at like team schedules and shit. So, um, but for real, like shout out to the snapbacks and inner bruise podcast Shout out to the Snapbackers. Um, you and Hunter are doing an awesome job, and I love the podcast. Thank you. And, and if I will say, I, I did uh, purposefully, and I've actually I have worn it on one of our episodes, but I am wearing a Snapback uh, right now for this one, and it is the uh, Big Fly Gear, yes. uh, the home run company of Victor Rojas, who when we recorded with him, he was at that point still the play-by-play voice of the Los Angeles Angels and has since accepted the job and has started as the president and general manager. I forget if that's his official title, but he's the president at least of the Frisco Rough Riders. Yeah. Um, and this is his, his family business. And again, like that was one of those conversations that we had that was like, Hey, we want to spend some time talking about your experience as a broadcaster but we also want to hear about what it takes to run an apparel company out of your home with your family. Like that's, it's one of those cool things that especially in 2021 where everybody is, is doing more than one thing um, to hear his perspective on, on, you know, essentially having two full-time jobs that are both pretty fucking involved. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, being a play-by-play voice for a major league team is not like oh you show up and broadcast for three hours a night and then go home like that's a 24-7 job and then he also has this amazing apparel company where I didn't wear the shirt but I also have a, a big five-year shirt um, and he said on, on the podcast that like the, the whole goal was to be the most comfortable shirt that you own Okay. and I have to say and I'm not saying like, he did not pay me to say this it's the shirt now that like when it's clean, it's the first shirt that I wear. All right. So like every day after laundry, I'm wearing the big flag gear shirt because Perfect. it is like goal accomplished, the most comfortable shirt that I own. So, it, you know, it, but yeah. it's, it's one of those things where, you know, again, I hate using the cliche cause I've said it three or four times, but like at the end of the day, mission accomplished for Hunter and I, we've been able to blow up some steam together. We've been able to learn from some of our guests We've been able to joke around. I have tried some beers that I wouldn't have otherwise tried, which, like, who cares? Uh, but I, I have expanded my beer palette right. uh, through the podcast. Uh, my hat collection is ever-growing. There <laughs> so, you go. Yeah, and, yeah but, uh, man, like, uh, we, we, we have some fun. Um, and I will echo, I, I don't even, like, Hunter's the, the wizard behind everything. Like, all I do is sit down and talk. Like he's the one that goes through and edits yeah. everything, and the fact that he does that on top of having a full time job, where he, in my opinion, and this is I, 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 
I really hope that this comes across. I, I, this is in no offense to anybody that runs a social media account for a professional baseball team. In my opinion, what he does for the Pelicans, specifically on Twitter and Instagram, is the greatest job that, that you could do. Yeah, like, for sure. He, he's, like, absolutely incredible. Um, and it's funny, dude. Like, I, Hunter and I met in person for all of 20 minutes at the Des Moines promo seminar in 2018. Okay. And we got to know each other via social media. And when we recorded our first episode, the extent of us meeting face to face was that 20 minutes in Des Moines. Okay. And like, since then, like we have spent significant time together and like, I, I, when I was down in Daytona, went up to Myrtle and spent a weekend, you know, with him in, in Myrtle. But like, the power of the internet is something really special. It sure like some is. of my best friends in the world are people that I know through social media and text and zoom. And, you know, like I, it, if, if there's one good thing that's come out of this pandemic, it's the reinforcement of the fact that you can be close to somebody without being physically close to somebody. Mm-hmm. And that's yep. pretty cool to know and to have like the proof is in the pudding that it's true. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, can't stress enough how much I love the Snapbacks and Interviews podcast. Um, so go subscribe to that on um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. I don't do free ads, but here I am do- <laughs> doing free ads. Um, Hashtag no free ads. Yeah, but I mean, you can, and, and if you love the Pulling Tart podcast, you're going to love the Snapbacks and Interviews podcast. That's just a fucking given, honestly. Vice versa. Yeah. Vice versa, too. It's like, if, if anybody is listening to this because you saw it on Twitter through either me or the Snapbacks account, like, go back and listen to the catalog. Like, because it is, like... And, and again, like, I didn't say it facetiously. Like, I, I do think... And I don't know what it is. Like, I, I think it's just a personality thing. Like, I think that you are able to get more involved answers out of people than we have been able to. And I think it's because you're, you get more to the point. Like the two of us tend to have run around conversations. Yeah. Um, but like, dude, like you, like some of the conversations that you've had with people have given me like food for thought, right? Like, like, and I, I, when I'm listening to comedy podcasts, part of the reason why I like listening to them is because it's like in and out. So like if it's, if it's 90 minutes, like at the end of that 90 minutes, I don't have to think about any of, of what was discussed. Yeah. But like when I listen to you talk to somebody, like you, you talk about subject matter that resonates with me well, thank and you. then it does stick with me and it gives me things to think about and it's given me things to grow on. So yeah, if, if you're, if you're listening to this because you're a fan of snapbacks and interviews, I'm going to echo subscribe, subscribe to pull and tarp and go back and listen to the catalog. Cause you're going to learn something different with every episode. And I don't know, Hunter, don't get mad at me. I don't know if we can say the same thing. Well, thank you. I I really do appreciate that. Um, We're going to... So we do have some listener questions. And I think it's... I think it's mostly Hunter, honestly. (laughs) Um, Or the intern. Um, Yeah, yeah, the the So (laughs) um, this one I'm not familiar with. Will you release the WAP video? No, um, uh, so it's, it's on my TikTok, but my TikTok is, 
is the only social media that I have that is protected by name. Okay. Because because it's my TikTok, and as is tradition on TikTok, uh, you know, a lot of people's bios are, you know, like, if you know me in real life, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you can find me on TikTok, then you will see me do that dance. Okay. Uh, as well as a couple other embarrassing things. But no, I'm not making it public. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. And... So why do Tampa Bay sports fans deserve this Super Bowl? I, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. So uh, I, I mentioned it earlier. We, we tend to go off the cuff on that podcast. The yeah. one episode that I did extensive research on was when we talked about Tampa sports. Okay. Because in my opinion, uh, so I'm a Yankees fan because my, my grandfather who made me a baseball fan is a Yankees fan. I'm also a Giants and Knicks fan. So like my, my professional allegiance is, is in, in New, New York, York City. Okay. Um, I'm a Duke fan because I was born at Duke Hospital and I grew up in Durham, North Carolina, and I was a ball boy for Duke soccer and basketball. And you know, like, I mean, I, I grew up at, at Cameron Indoor and, and at Wild Suede Stadium. So I don't really have a leg to stand on in terms of being lucky as a sports fan. Right? Like I've had more championships in my you know 29 years alive than, than most people will for their entirety yeah. of their life. So I understand that everything that I say has to be taken with a grain of salt. But in a year where legitimate sports fans were without sports for like seven full months, mm-hmm. right, because of COVID. Yep. The fact that Tampa has had a Stanley Cup champion a World Series appearance, and now a Super Bowl appearance with the potential to win the Super Bowl is not fair. And I know that the world isn't fair, but I did research. I went back 10 years. The Bucks and the Rays have ranked within the bottom three teams of their respective leagues in attendance for 19 of those <laughs> 20 years oh, combined. Yeah. So the fact that now the, the juxtaposition is – the Lightning over those 10 years have not had a season where their average attendance was less than 98% capacity. And wow. they've had a handful of seasons where it's actually been over 100% capacity. Wow. So Tampa is a hockey city. That's and crazy. And they deserved. Yeah, right? Like, it's crazy. That's, yeah. it's, it's crazy that, that, that Tampa, Florida, one of the hottest cities in the country, is a hockey town. But yeah. it is. Yeah. And if you drive through Tampa, you know, like, you see more bars with, like, flags hanging than any other sport you see more billboards for the lightning and it's partially due to the location of amelie arena like it's right downtown tampa whereas obviously the trop is in st pete across the bridge and it's a pain in the ass to get there um raymond james though is also pretty much right downtown like it's right across the street from steinbrenner field but anyway i just don't think it's fair that a city like tampa with such fair weather fans in a year where sports fans have been without sports have had so much to cheer for. Um, and I am happy for the fans of Kansas City. Like, I think Kansas City is one of the most rabid sports bases, fan bases in the country. So I am happy for them. Um, I'm happy for L.A. Whether you want to complain about the Dodgers having an exorbitant payroll or not, they hadn't won since 1988, and they have consistently had one of the strongest fan bases in all of baseball since 1988. So they deserve to win the World Series. And I just think that it sucks that the city of Tampa has had so much success this year when sports fans have been hurting all around the country. Um, I also will say the one fan base that I don't feel bad for is Boston because over the last 10 years, they've had more championships than anybody else yep. and they can get over it. Like they can get over Brady being gone. 
Yeah, um, that's fair. But I'm I am 100% team Chiefs heading into the Super Bowl. All right, because I don't want Tampa to have two championships this year. <laughs> I love it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I I yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. Um, how cute is your new town of Danville? Dude, okay, so before I could officially announce that I had accepted this job, I had moved here, obviously, and, like, I had explored downtown. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, like, when I get back home from the ballpark, I park my car, and I'm within walking distance of everything that I need. Yep. So a lot of nights, I've just, like, hit the streets, walked around, and, like, I am fully 100% in love with this city, like the architecture, the cobblestone streets, the rolling hills in the Piedmont region here, like at the base of the Appalachians, the river, it's just awesome. So I had a series of Instagram stories where I would say, like I would take a picture of something cute and I'd say, how cute is this fucking town? And it got to the point where I was just like, this is part a million of how cute is this fucking well, town? And then so, Hunter just blows it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the answer is, this town is very fucking cute. <laughs> All right. And what are your Valentine's Day plans? <laughs> so, so Hunter and I also talked about this on the, the most recent Snap Alexander Bruce. Um, as of right now, my plans are to sit my ass on the couch and drink by myself. All right. Um, and uh, I don't know if anybody's listening to this and wants to change that, you know, hit me up. But uh, <laughs> I very much doubt that. So I will most likely be uh, directly behind where I'm sitting now, uh, probably watching New Girl for like four straight hours. Uh, and honestly, that's not going to be a terrible night if we're, if, if we're you know, shooting it straight here. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I mean, if I was single, that's exactly what I would be doing too. Um, I spent... So many Valentine's Days single, um, it's not even funny. So I can I can resonate with that um, for sure. Um, what is a glacier boy? <laughs> so this this is um, there there are a few steadfast listeners to Snapbacks and Interbrews that still do this, and I know there are a lot of folks that have listened to every episode that they've just stopped doing it, and that's fine, but. One of our early episodes, we talked about um, Quavo sliding into Sweetie's uh, IG stories with a snowflake emoji saying, you so icy, and then following it up with, I'm a glacier boy. <laughs> and obviously, none of it makes any fucking sense. No, none. But but uh, I still get a couple um, DMs after an episode drops where somebody sends us a snowflake as a signal that they have listened to the episode. All right. Uh, so shout out to all of our Glacier Boys everywhere, I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, which new girl character do you relate to the most? Oh, my God. Okay, so this... I, I tweeted this um, a couple weeks ago. I said, I, I sometimes I wish I was a little less Schmidt and a little more Nick but I'm completely fine with my levels of Winston. Okay. So for better or for worse, I do relate to, to Schmidt the most. I feel like I sometimes am overly dramatic. I have catchphrases that I will say more often than I probably should. The biggest difference I'll say is 
where there was a point in my life where I certainly probably deserved a douchebag jar, I think I've evolved past that. Okay. And very rarely do I say or do anything that would require me to put a dollar in the douchebag jar. I do, though, wish that I was a little bit more Nick in terms of being um, uh, more spontaneous and carefree with some things because uh, I'm an over planner and an overthinker. Uh, but yeah, Schmidt, Schmidt for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that I am Nick. Um, my wife tells me all the time that I mind my own business to a fault. Um, <laughs> where like, I'll be like, I'll be like, oh, so-and-so from, from work said this today. And she'll be like, well, why, why are they doing that? Or, you know, why did they say that? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just came up in conversation and she'd be like, you need to find out more. And like, um, I just, my level of don't give a fuck these days is like pretty high. Um, so I do resonate with, with Nick in that aspect. I see. And that's like, I'm jealous of that because that, that is exactly what I'm talking about. Where it's like, I, I wish that I could just keep to myself sometimes and like keep those opinions inside of myself. But yeah. I just, I just can't. <laughs> and also let's talk about the history of Nick out kicking his coverage by a mile. Dude. I, I am Nick. I've out kicked my coverage with my wife, especially. And then like with, with other girls too, like I have definitely outkicked my coverage by a fucking mile. And, like, I just don't understand how it keeps happening. Like, like, and this one, by far, is is the most I've, I've ever outkicked my coverage. Well, congratulations. Well, first thank and you. Foremost. Uh, and, and that, I think, that I, I'm still waiting to meet, like, a supermodel so that I can tell her the first night that I meet her that I'm going to marry her. And then, like, five years later, actually end up marrying her. Like, that's yeah. the part of Schmidt that I hope, that I, I, I aspire to being. Um, but, yeah, dude, like, the, uh, I, I mean, like, Olivia Munn, uh, I mean, uh, uh, dude. Well, and that's the other, like, and actually, Hunter and I have talked about this on, on the most recent episode as well, is, like, both of us struggle with the, uh, like, walking up to a stranger at a bar oh, kind yeah. of thing. I met I met my wife on um, Coffee Meets Bagel. Really? Yeah. Dude, good for you. See, that's the I like. I'm just I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. I'm I'm not rushing anything. Yeah. Uh, no, there's I, no need I, to. Like, I dude, like that's yeah. Like I just. Oh, that's, I was, that is. I'm an internet person through and through. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a child of the internet. Well, and that's again, like I'm, I'm an overthinker. So for me, it is easier to sit there and contemplate over, like, okay, what am I going to say in this text, rather than what am I going to say out of my mouth in this moment? Because nine right. times out of ten, once I have time to think through and formulate, it's going to come across better than whatever the fuck I'm going to say off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, I do get that. Honestly. <laughs> Um, let's see here. Um, is it ever okay to use speakerphone in public? No, no, absolutely not. The answer is absolutely not. Um, yeah, don't, like, 
it, that's like one of those things that's on par with like leaving your shopping cart in the middle of the parking lot yes. instead of putting it back in the buggy. Like, I, no, like, and on top of that, if you are having a speakerphone conversation in public and then you make a glare at somebody who is looking at you, like, <laughs> you're the worst. You're the worst. Yes. Like, you, you can't be having a loud public conversation and not expect everybody around you to look at you. Like, yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> You couldn't be more correct in that. Okay. Um, what's up with the bidet fascination, dude? I've I've literally never used a bidet. So uh, that's funny. I, um, I asked. Uh, we we talked about Luke Johnson. I, I asked Luke Johnson uh, in one of our first episodes of Snapbacks and Interbrews, "Have you ever used a bidet?" And he said no. But then he parlayed that into one of the most fascinating public bathroom stories that I've ever heard. Yeah. And the reason that I asked, to go back to the conversation that we had about comedy podcasts, one of my favorite comedy podcasts has a bidet sponsor. Oh. And ever since I started hearing about bidets on a weekly basis, I have been thinking about getting a bidet. Because the way that they talk about it is, it's it's fascinating. It yeah. sounds like it's the greatest thing in the world. Um so I, I don't necessarily know if I classify it as a, a fascination, as more of uh, you know just a um, you know if I have money to spend, I might buy a bidet. Is what is what I'll say. Yeah, I, I don't think that a bidet would be a bad investment. I think that uh, the idea of being able to take a mini shower after every time you use the bathroom. Yeah is appealing to me and just the, the sense of that I think that you would just feel generally more clean. Yes. Everybody, everybody that's told me that, you know, they've used a bidet or they have a bidet, they're just like, you wouldn't believe the difference. Like, in how you feel. And I'm just like, oh gosh, like, maybe I should invest in one. I don't know. Well, that's, like, and honestly, my only reservation is like, I mean, I don't know. They could be very accurate, but on the off chance that they're not, and like I'm wearing like a dress clothes, like I don't like if I'm in between meetings and I stop home to use the bathroom, and then I get water sprayed all over me, like that would just ruin my day, right? So like I think yeah. that like that's that's the the hesitation in my okay. mind. But you know, I I just I asked the question because I was interested to know if he had ever used a bidet or not, and, right. and he said no. Um, and then told a story about how a guy slid underneath the stall that he was using in a public bathroom. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a nightmarish story. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Uh, that might be a Christmas present that I asked for next year. Okay. Is, is a bidet. Okay. <laughs> I asked for a squatty potty this year and I didn't get one. See, that's another one. I've heard, first of all, I've heard that physically it does wonders for yes. your body because it's a more natural position. Yeah. But again, I've I've never had one, so I, I just don't know. I, don't I, know. I um, drunkenly spent a night at a um, co-worker's apartment in Ocean City, Maryland, mm-hmm. um, and he had a squatty potty. And, you know, like, I got up the next morning, like, extremely hungover, of course, <laughs> and um, I, like, sat on this thing. I was like, what the fuck? And, <laughs> and like, I sat... Best poop I've ever had in my entire See, life. That's all, all I want. All I want is to take a mundane piece of life and turn it into something enjoyable. Yes. 
right? Like that's that is if if I can make like preparing lunch an enjoyable experience, I will make it that way. So if I can make taking a shit an enjoyable experience, I will make it that way. So that's I, I think that actually that's a great uh, you know kind of a parallel. If I can avoid the cleaning process after taking a shit and make it more enjoyable, then I would like to do that. Okay. Makes sense to me. Yeah. So, um, and then last question, or last listener question, what is your favorite podcast? Oh, man. No free ads. No free ads. Okay, so I'm going to answer this with two parts. Okay. The podcast that got me interested in podcasts has not been uh, released in going on probably six to seven months. Ooh. And I hesitate and even bringing it up, but I think that I, I need to say it because it did get me into podcasts. It was Congratulations with Crystalia. Oh, that makes sense. That uh, Crystalia, yeah, has proven himself to be a bit of a scumbag and creep yep. and has gone into hiding um, and has not released a podcast since he was exposed as a scumbag and creep. Um, <laughs> but, Jesus. bless you, um, I think that my current favorite podcast is... Your mom's house with Tom Segura Ooh, and Christina yeah. Pajitsky. Okay. Um, I think part of the reason why I enjoy it so much is because most of them are like two and a half to three hours long. Yeah. So it lasts like a few days. So like if I'm listening to it while I'm driving, it will get me through a few days commute. Yeah. Um, which I appreciate, and I know some people like the quick hitters. Yeah. But I kind of enjoy those more long, drawn out ones where where I can make it last and and you know kind of entertain myself. Um, over the course of a few days. So okay. shout out to your mom's house. No free ads. They don't need it. They're crushing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the same with all the podcasts I listen to, um, besides Snapbacks and Interbrews, of course. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, dude, I feel, I feel like I could talk to you literally forever. Um, but unfortunately, I have to go to work tomorrow morning. Um, but same. Yeah. So... <laughs> Where can the listeners find you on social media, Austin? Yes, yeah. Um, well, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me. This was, uh, I mean, like so much fun and ditto. I feel like we could have probably done this for like nine or ten hours yeah. and, and just like never stopped the conversation. But um, I did I did go private uh, on all my socials when I took this job just to, to kind of separate myself from the team. Um, but if you request a follow, I will absolutely accept and follow you back. Um, Twitter and Instagram at Austin underscore share same username A-U-S-T-I-N underscore S-C-H-E-R um, I also talked about this with Hunter recently I don't remember what episode it was but I've tried really hard to make uh, my online persona align with who I really am so like sometimes you'll get some serious things sometimes you'll get some joking things like I tweeted something today that nobody responded to whatsoever about the brilliance of the editing that went into Cody Lee winning the golden buzzer on America's Got Talent. Um, Like I've watched that clip like a hundred times and yeah, like he's a really good singer and it's an inspiring story. But what gets me is the way that those producers edited that moment, like the timing, the music, the lights, the camera shots, everything is just perfect. Um, So like sometimes you'll see a tweet about that. Other times you'll see some tweets about, uh, you know, sports stuff, shameless plug, our our team account right now on Twitter is at Danville Bases, 
D-A-N-V-I-L-L-E-B-A-S-E-S because Danville Baseball was too long to fit in a handle. Obviously, we will be rebranding soon, so follow along there for updates. Um, That's another one where, uh, again, we talked about the the voice of that Twitter account. Um, It's not me as a person, but it is more jovial and conversational than a lot of teams that you'll find. So if you're interested, at Danville Bases, would love to have you along the ride. Yeah, Um, Danville Bases, great follow. You, great follow. Podcast and Indian Brews. Great follow. Um, I did just want to touch real quick on, um, you know, like, guys' friendships is, like, you know, sometimes just, like, shitting on each other, like, and, and like, making fun of each other. You guys make it a point on the Snapbacks and Inbrews podcast, and on Twitter especially, um, to, like, gas each other up. And, like, that's what we need in 2021, 2020 yes. was shitty. We need more gassing up, especially of, um, you know, other young men um, who are professionals who may or may not work in sports anymore. That's that's what we need in 2021. So I just wanted to thank you guys for that. Like, you know, like, stop the just like, oh, your mom, you know, like, you know, shitting on each other. <laughs> just like... <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. And uh, again, I I mentioned it earlier, but if you are listening to this because you are a listener of Snapbacks and Interbrews and you have not yet subscribed to Pulling Tarp, you need to do that and you need to go back and listen to the catalog. Uh, Again, it's it's the same general subject matter, but it's more intrinsic and in-depth than we have been able to get. So fascinating listens. Um, and yeah, we do, we try, like we, we dick around a lot. Um, but especially like, uh, I mean, I mean, we've talked about it, but like I, I respect Hunter so much as a professional and as a person, like yeah. what he's able to do, uh, like, I think I would be doing myself a disservice if I tried to avoid talking about that. Right. The, of the kid is fucking brilliant. Yeah, so. <laughs> he is. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, Oh, I can't even put into words. Like, yes, he's brilliant. Uh, you're brilliant. Snapbacks and Embers brilliant. Um, and the the two fan bases can coincide. That's absolutely. That's yes. that's what I'm getting to here. Yeah. So, and and the the crossover event of the century will happen sooner than ooh, later. Yes. Um, and I dude, I don't, we've been talking forever about trying to get the video set up and working. Yeah, it would be awesome if our first video podcast was the three of us because I think that it, that yeah. would be that would be a really really cool uh, way to, to to bring everything together. But that would be we'll, cool. We'll get that taken care yeah. of. Yeah, I haven't. It will happen. I haven't given into the the video aspect of things yet, just because this is my. It's not even a side hustle. It's just like a side thing I do. Um, and, and I just don't have the time to dive into that right now. Um, and you get it more than anybody. I know. Um, you listen, you've listened to a couple episodes now, excuse me, geez. Um, the beers are starting to set in here. Um, you've listened to a couple episodes now. Uh, what has been your favorite walk up or warm up song in your baseball career? And whose was it? So, okay, so I, I have two answers to this. Um, as a Yankees fan, it's impossible for me to not bring up Enter Sandman. 
Ooh. and Mariano Rivera. Yes. Um, I think that it's the most intimidating. I think that obviously it, it, it goes hand in hand with like, if he wasn't as good as he was, then the song would mean jack shit. Sure. But yeah. in terms of being the most lights out closer of all time and to have exit light enter night blasting over the speakers every single time, um, is, is awesome. I also, I, I liked this song on Spotify because I, I wasn't going to be able to remember the name of it. Let me pull it up real quick. Okay, it's uh, Acoustum Nombre. It's, it's not pulling up. Uh, <laughs> there was a kid when I was in Greensboro. He was 5'8". He was the starting shortstop for the Grasshoppers. Okay. His name was Luis Pintor. Okay. He, he was the... Um, how do I say this kindly? The Jose Altuve without the cheating. Okay, it's like sure. he had He had a huge bat for his size. And he could rope baseballs. So, like, at 5'8", he would send shots, like, line drives 400 feet over the wall. Um, He was my favorite minor league player to watch uh, throughout my career. Um, When he he hit two walk-offs in Greensboro when I was there, um, the absolute joy on his face, like, when he saw the winning run cross home plate, is everything that I think is right with baseball. And that was his song. And it was, uh, it was like, um, like a reggaeton, uh, like Bahamian feel. It's like wherever you were in the ballpark, you knew he was coming up because like the mood just seemed to kind of lift Ooh. in the ballpark as he was walking to the plate. Okay. And even if like he struck out or like hit a lazy ground ball to second, like the way he played the game was just so jovial and childlike. Um, so uh, like the acoustu de nombre. Um, you can text I, it to I, me later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, okay. but it, yeah. So shout out Luis Pintor. I actually don't know if he's still playing. Um, when I went down to Daytona, he got promoted to Jupiter or to Jupiter, and I saw him um, as I was walking across the field one day. Okay. And I've made a point to not be like friends with players. Like I think that that they have a job to do, and we have a job to do, and um, right. He was one of those guys that, like, I, I he was just such a nice guy that, like, I got to know him a little bit. Sure. I didn't know that he was in Jupiter. As I was walking across the field one day, like, he saw me and, like, came running up to me and, like, gave me a hug on the field and was like, how are you doing, brother? How are you doing, brother? Like, he, he was just like, shout out Luis Pintor. Like, that's, that's awesome. He, he is everything that's right with the game of baseball. Um, and his walk up it kind of aligned perfectly with his, with his personality and style of play. Yeah. So I loved it. I that's, absolutely loved it. That's awesome. So we'll ride out with those two songs. I think I'm going to do a cool little mix and mash there. Um, and, uh, dude, thank you so much. Like, dude, we've been recording for over three hours. Holy shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, dude, this was awesome. Dude, I... I, I can't thank you enough for having me. Like, this this was, like, so much fun. And um, I've, I've done a couple of, uh, of, like, Zoom calls and podcasts that were, like, felt like work. Um, I legitimately had no idea what time it was right now. This was absolutely fantastic, so I can't thank you enough for having me on. <laughs> yeah, dude, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your evening um, for three-plus hours. I feel like I could talk to you for little ever. Um, hopefully someday, like soon, we'll we'll meet up and have a couple beers and maybe watch a baseball game together. That would be so sick. Um, but, yeah, dude, thank you so much for taking the time 
out of your night to come on to the Pulling Tart podcast. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll, we'll meet up in like Baltimore, D.C. And, uh, and, and have a great time. Yeah, man. Thank you so much, Austin. <laughs> appreciate you, man. Thank you, sir. This is great. Yep. Siempre ganar como el 23 Ya me acostumbré, ya me acostumbré A callarle la boca al que no me cree Ya me acostumbré, ya me acostumbré You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast Distributed by Stoveleg Media Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com To learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation